Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. before I start to speak and um, we just ask that God by his Holy Spirit will just illuminate the words on the pages such that whoever we are today and whatever our background is that God will speak to us so we say Heavenly Father we thank you for this great occasion this morning thank you for gathering us here this morning together thank you now that we can open your word read the very words that you want to say to humanity And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will guide us this morning into truth. Will you give us something today that we can take away and apply to our lives? We pray this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, let me uh, introduce myself first. My name is Phil Chapman. I'm one of the elders here at Living Rock Church, along with Stephen. And uh, we're, we're a team of six elders across three congregations, but uh, Stephen and I have got special responsibility for looking after things here in Market Harbour. And uh, Market Harbour as a, as a congregation here is growing. And actually, we can't help but notice the number of children who are part of our gatherings. Every time a new family comes, they've got not just one child, they've got a number of kids. And uh, we could probably all think of someone this morning who that might, who that might apply to, but... Uh, but we've got such a large number of children. And we just recognise what a tremendous opportunity has been given to us as believers here in Market Harbour and as a body of believers to input into their lives yeah. as their parents or as their hot rock leaders. Hot rock is what we call the, the children's classes that are going on at the moment. As their family friends and to church leaders. These are crucial and, and formative years for children. Yeah. What a great privilege to be the people that God has trusted to speak into their lives at this time. I'm, um, I, I'm a parent, but my children, I don't know how this happened really, my children have grown up. <laughs> they didn't used to be as old as they are now. And um, let me just tell you, it goes so quickly. My daughter is 21 years old and got married a couple of months ago. She now lives in Australia. My son, Tim, is at the back. He's 18 years old. And... Um, it's, it doesn't seem five minutes, and they were, and they were this high. And um, it, it goes in a flash. We know, we know that um, God has got mighty things for our children. We know, actually, that within Living Rock Church here in Market Harbour, we believe that we're, we're called to carry the name of Jesus to Market Harbour Town and beyond. And we know that as we do that, we're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit who will give us everything that we need. And when we look forward 20 years from now, just, just imagine, just dare to imagine 20 years forward, what do we see? What do we see? We'll come back to that later. We know that God has a lot to say about children. One of the verses that Stephen read earlier from Psalm 127, it says that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. You know, certainly there are moments in time when quarter past two in the morning, 
But, but the Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord. Any parent here today will tell you that no matter how much preparation you've had before your children arrive, how much advice you've been given, how many books you have read on the subject of parenthood, nothing ever prepares you for parenthood. People will tell you what it's like. People will say it's going to change your life. And you go, yeah, I'm sure it's going to change my life. But when it happens, boy, it really changes your life. (laughs) And, And actually, the complete focus of your life changes. When things happen in the world, you, you, stop, you stop thinking first and foremost of how does this apply to me? But you think, what about my children? And your children become the very first thing you think of in every waking moment. That, that's how we're made. That's how we're, that's how we're built. God knows that because he made us. He built us. He knows what makes us tick. And he has things to say to us in the Bible that we'll look at this morning about our children that are there to help us and to encourage us and and to correct us, to bring us peace and to encourage us to orient our lives in the direction that he says is best. And I'd like us together today to look at some of the promises that God makes to us about our children and to really encourage one another to take hold of these promises. You know, I'm really aware that this morning... In a limited time, we can only scratch the surface. But there are things, even in what I want to share this morning, that we can take hold of and do something with in our lives. I wonder if you've got your Bible with you. Could you turn to Matthew 19? And just a few verses, uh, starting at verse 13. Matthew 19, verse 13, it says this. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left That's a really short account. That's all we know about that particular event that happened uh, during the lifetime of Jesus. And and that little story is repeated, not just in Matthew, but in in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. And every time we read it, we're offered no further information. (laughs) Every time we read it, that's all we're told. And part of us thinks, well, that's not very much information. Why is that even there? But, you know, it's got to mean something. It's got to mean something. It's got to be there for a reason. And one of the things I would encourage us to think about this morning is, well, just picture that scene. What did it look like on that occasion? What did Jesus actually say to the children when he blessed them and prayed for them? What did Jesus pray for the children? Who were these children? And what became of them? Did they grow up into men and women who were followers of Jesus? What great potential and purpose was released in their lives as just because Jesus laid his hands on them? And you know, we don't know the answers to those questions. It's just all curiosity. But we do know that this account in here is in there for a reason. It's got to mean something. So today, I want us to ask three questions in relation uh, to this account of Jesus blessing the children. And that is the, the why... 
the what, and the so what. Okay? It's got to mean something. Let's try and drill down and find out what it means. If you've got your Bible, perhaps you can just flick on to Hebrews chapter 6. Because um, these are really important verses for us. Last week, if you were here, we, uh, we baptised people and we were talking about this um, sermon that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And he said, he said four things, essentially. He said, repent of your sins. He said, be baptised, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be added to the church. That, they were the four things that we looked at last week. And we would say they were fundamental um, foundations of our faith. Yeah. When we get to Hebrews chapter 6, we've got this letter being written to Jewish people who've come to faith in Jesus, and they're having the foundations of faith spelt out for them again. But listen to what it says. It says this, Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and come mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward toward further understanding. And did you notice that in that list of essential things for believers these things that are described as basic teaching, we've got the laying on of hands. You think, oh, where did that come from? This may surprise you. My, my own experience of growing up in church, I was brought up to go to church from when I was a small boy, was that I, I never saw the laying on of hands happen. I didn't hear it taught about. It just wasn't something that was, that was practiced, and, and not just actually in the church that I grew up in, the practice of laying on of hands has been neglected through much of church history. But it was an accepted practice among the Jews. And the early Jewish readers of this book of Hebrews would have been used to the practice even before they became Christians. So I want to ask you, when might we have seen, within our context here at Living Rock Church, the laying on of hands? Who's going who's to kick us off with a... Uh, Example of when they've seen the laying on of hands. Healing. Healing, okay. So people are prayed for to be healed and hands are laid on them. Yeah, okay. Anything else? Yeah, when we pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We did that last week. When people had been baptised, we laid our hands on them and prayed for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. Any other times? Yeah, that's right. When elders have been set in. When Stephen and I were set in as elders... Earlier this year, hands were laid on us and prayers were prayed over us. That's right. Uh, any other times? When people are dying. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, when, when people are sick, when people are dying, hands are often laid on them. That's, that's exactly right. Um, hands are laid on for blessing. Hands are laid on when we receive new members into, into the church. Uh, we saw hands laid on this morning when um, Arlo was, was dedicated. And throughout scripture, the laying on of hands occurs regularly. And it signifies, well, first of all, impartation. So in a lot of the Old Testament, we read about, before, this is all before Jesus came, how hands were laid on a, a goat or a sheep, and the sins of the people were transferred to it. 
we read about the laying on of hands in the scripture for commissioning. So when um, um, Joshua took over the leadership of the children of Israel from Moses, Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him. There was a setting in of men to help the apostles, recorded in Acts chapter 6. And again, hands were laid on them. We see hands laid on elders in the book of Timothy. Paul instructs Timothy, you're going to lay hands on elders, set people in in the churches. And laying on of hands also signifies the bestowing of a gift, a healing of the sick, um, the, 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 a spiritual gift, whether it's speaking in tongues or a healing gift. Whatever it is, hands are laid on as an impartation of that gift. Hands are laid on to bestow a blessing. And the earliest occasion in the Bible that we read about the laying on of hands is found in Genesis chapter 48, and it's a blessing. And it's not just a blessing, it's a blessing over children. So I thought it would be good just to read that so I can show you what happened there and, and what, the, what the result of that was. So I'm going to read a little bit from... Um, Genesis 48, starting at verses, uh, verse 8. This is the first mention of the laying on of hands in the Bible. So just to give you a bit of context without having to read the whole backstory, what's happened here is Joseph has come into his father Jacob, and Joseph is bringing two of his sons with him. And their sons are meeting their, their grandfather Jacob. So Jacob looked over at the two boys. Are these your sons, he asked. Yes, Joseph told him, these are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, bring them here so I can bless them. Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him and Jacob kissed and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too. Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees and he bowed with his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim towards Jacob's left hand and with his left hand, he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. He put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, though he was the younger boy, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac. And may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. But Joseph was upset when he saw his father place his right hand on Ephraim's head. So Joseph lifted it to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. No, my father, he said, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. I know, my son, I know, he replied. Manasseh will also become a great people, but his younger brother will become even greater. And his descendants will become a multitude of nations. So Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names when they give a blessing. They will say, may God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. And in this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. And clearly we're talking about, about different times there. We're talking about a culture which is not the culture that we're living in today. 
but we do believe the importance of blessing our, our children and our grandchildren and, and all generations that are behind us. Words were spoken over the lives of those two boys which have a lifelong impact. We believe we've seen words here spoken over um, Arlo which will have a lifelong impact. And we need to get over the idea that the laying on of hands is some kind of weird ritual. It's not. The laying on of hands is simple. The laying on of hands is, is tangible. The laying on of hands is, is intimate. It signifies acceptance and love. And it can be an expression of, um, of us corporately. We can all lay hands on somebody when we're seeking God for something. You see, I can, I can lay my hands on anything and it doesn't make the blindest bit of difference. I can lay my hands on people and it makes not the blindest bit of difference. But actually, if we believe there's something within us that we have to impart, then it makes all the difference in the world. So that's the why. That's why Jesus saw fit to lay his hands on the heads of these children. But um, let's, let's deal with the, with the what. What on earth did Jesus pray? Well, actually, we, we don't know. And all we can do this morning is, is speculate. But what we do know is uh, what God says about children. God's heart is for families. And we can read some of the promises that God makes to families. So here's one. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. This is God speaking to the children of Israel at a time when they've not been worshipping him, when the time they've not been honouring him, when they've not been putting him first in their lives. And God says this, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And you know, this is the choice that God puts before all people today. I'm giving you a choice. It's a choice between life, it's a choice between death. And God, when he talks about life here, he's not talking about, about living, he's talking about spiritual life, he's talking about emotional life. And he says he's given us a choice between life and death. But he, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell us that it's a choice, choose what you like. He says it's a choice, choose life, choose life. I really want you to choose life because that's what's best for you. That's what's best for you and not just for you. It's best for you and your children. Parents, choose life that you and your children might live. If we as parents live in, in anger or depression or fear or pride, or lust, then these attitudes will take us and our children away from what is best according to God. When we choose life, we walk in attitudes of love, humility, in joy, in faith, in obedience to God. These are life-giving attitudes which are passed on to our children. You know, there's a saying, like father, like son. And if we're trying to really simplify what I've just said, that's, that's what we're saying. Like father, like son. As parents, we can exhibit what it, what it is to put God first, to honour him and to live in a way which pleases him. And when we do that, we'll be passing on an enormous legacy to our children. 
that they too may walk in life. Parents, walk in life that your children might walk in life. Here's another promise. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand of on those who love him and obey his commands. He's a faithful God. He keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. A covenant's a Is that on back? Okay, great. A covenant is a binding agreement between two parties, each binding himself to fulfill certain obligations. And this covenant of God extends to our children too. Whilst we believe that every man, woman or child needs to know personal salvation, that is repentance from sin and, uh, and forgiveness, we do read in these verses that children already benefit from a certain covenant connection with God simply because their parents are walking with Jesus. As followers of Jesus, God is promising to lavish his unfailing love on our children and our children's children yes. and for a thousand generations. Yeah? Yeah, this means for you, Woody, Tilly, God is promising to lavish his love on your children because you're walking with him. Matt and Enma, God is promising to lavish his love on your child because you're walking with him. Dan and Lorna, God is promising to lavish his love on your children because you are walking with him. What a great thing. So, based on that promise of God, when Jesus prayed for the children, he could have been thanking his father for lavishing his love on the children because they had believing parents. They had parents who, they must have believed something because they insisted on bringing them to Jesus to be prayed for. He may have thanked God for his faithfulness and prayed that each child would learn to walk with God themselves. What else might Jesus have prayed? There's another scripture we can turn to. Matthew chapter 18 And uh, I'm going to read a few verses from the beginning of that chapter. There's a bit of a clue in this. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. Verse 10. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Jesus declared to his disciples that children are watched over by angels. What an amazing thought. I don't know how much you've thought about angels. We, we don't know a great deal about angels from what we read in the Bible. But we, we do know they exist. When, um, when Julian started... Um, referring to uh, the book of Colossians earlier when it talks about uh, Jesus being the, the visible image of the invisible God. 
that passage goes on to talk about all the things that Jesus is Lord over. And it says that Jesus is Lord over all the things we can see and all the things we can't see. There are lots of things we can't see, including a multitude of angels. Jesus is declaring that each child is being looked after by at least one angel. What an amazing thing. As parents, what should that do for us? Should we be parents who are living in fear for our children? Knowing actually that God in heaven is watching over each child. So Jesus, when he prayed for the children, may have been giving thanks to God for God's divine protection over those children. Here's one more. One more thing that Jesus might have been praying. And this is a scripture we find in Joel chapter 2. And we also know this because it's repeated in the second chapter of Acts as part of Peter's great sermon on the day of Pentecost. The prophet writes um, about God, which is God saying, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. These are words which we are probably familiar with because of uh, reading them in the book of Acts. But note the promises to all people. And, and almost to make the point, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. You imagine if you're reading this as, um, as, a, as a young parent and your children are, are babes in arms and God says, your children, your sons and daughters will prophesy. What an amazing thought. God's gift of the Holy Spirit to all believers, of course, extends to our sons and daughters if they're followers of Jesus. And we should expect our own children to inherit all that is promised of life in the Holy Spirit. You know, when God pours out his Holy Spirit on believers, he doesn't give a dumbed-down junior Holy Spirit to children. (laughs) There's no such person. God pours out the Holy Spirit on all believers whether those believers are five or 55. We can expect our children to be visionaries. You know, every generation needs visionaries. People who, by divine inspiration, know exactly what they need to do to impact individuals and communities and even nations for the sake of Jesus. Do we believe that this morning for what's going on in Hot Rock? In that room now are boys and girls who will grow into mighty men and women, full of the Holy Spirit, who will speak God's truth to their generation. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? So what might Jesus have prayed over the children who were brought to him? Well, he might well have prayed for fullness of life in the Holy Spirit. Whilst Jesus had not yet given the Holy Spirit to believers, he knew he was going to. He might well have spoken over those children, that they would be visionaries in their own generation. So Jesus laid his hands on the children. We know some of the things now that God promises for families and some of the things that Jesus might well have prayed But the question for us now is, is the so what? What does that all mean? And I believe that as parents, but also as a community of believers here, we need to be really unafraid 
of laying our hands on our children and speaking God's truth over them. One of the Proverbs, Proverbs 19, verse 21, says the tongue can bring death or life. Let's make sure that we are bringing life to our children with the things that we say over them. We can very often hear people in a moment of exasperation saying negative things over their children. You're always so lazy. You always let me down. You're so badly behaved. My children keep me awake all night. They're a drain on my resources. Yeah, and and we we kind of hear people talking about their children like this. But we mustn't do that. We must speak good things over our children. Our children, they're an inheritance from God. Our children, they're part of the fruit that we bear in life. Our children are a reward from God. They're a blessing. Our children will walk in the light because we walk in the light. Our children are in the hands of God. Our children will fulfill their destiny. Our children will be used by God to change the world. We and our children are building a relationship with permanent value. When we lay our hands on our children, it doesn't have to be a big ceremony. We don't have to dress up in funny clothes and bang a big gong at the beginning and fill the room with smoke. We can be laying our hands on our children and blessing them just in the day-to-day. When they climb on our knee for a cuddle. When we're getting them ready for school in the morning. Just let God's promises ring silently in your heart. Just, Just claim what God says about the fact that he'll protect our children. That he'll bless them. That he's going to lavish his love on them. As they grow older, it might be you can do that more openly not least because they stop wriggling so much. You can pray for them by name. Lay your hands on them. We've got a bit of a tradition, I guess, now in our family where, particularly on the children's birthdays, I'll lay hands on them and pray blessing on them. And I'm sure I've really embarrassed my children over the years when I've done that. But it's more important that God blesses them. It is more important that God blesses them. I'd encourage you to do the same. When we do that, we can pray that our children choose life as we demonstrate lives that honour God. We can pray that our children choose to name Jesus as their saviour and the king of their lives. We can thank God for his lavished love on our children and his covenant to us as his followers. We can acknowledge and thank God for his divine protection We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in fear. We can ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our children. That they will be sons and daughters who bring God's word to their generation. And you know, we can do this confidently. We can lay our hands on our children and bless them confidently. Because as believers, we believe that that Jesus Christ, by his spirit, lives within us. What that means in practice is the blessing our children receive when we lay hands on them and pray for them is no different to those children we read about at the start this morning when Jesus himself laid his hands on them and blessed them. If the spirit of Jesus lives within us, we can claim all authority that Jesus gives. 
as a community of believers, do you know, we can speak words of truth to one another's children. Particularly in their teenage years. And there are going to be some knowing looks here. Particularly in their teenage years, our children will often be able to talk more freely about spiritual matters to other adults apart from their parents. As parents, sometimes we feel a bit hurt by that. But you know that's completely normal. (laughs) It's never been any different. Let's make sure that as a community of believers, we honour one another by having the word of God in our hearts, ready to bring God's truth to our children and young people. So earlier I said, let's dare just to imagine 20 years hence. It's Arlo's 21st birthday. (laughs) It's a bit scary, isn't it? (laughs) All all of our children are 20 years older. And I've got some really bad news. We're all 20 years older (laughs) as well. (laughs) But what do we see? What do we see in 20 years' time? I see a generation of young people who are zealous for God's kingdom to come in all of its fullness. Children who have been taught faithfully by their parents and the body of believers. Who knows whether individually we'll all be here in Market Harbour as part of Living Rock Church in 20 years' time? I don't know. Oh Yeah, I'd like to think so too, Stephen. But uh, we don't know exactly where we'll be. But in terms of where our children are going to be because of what's been input into them through this body, I think is going to be amazing. I believe that we've been trusted by God with something incredible in a number of children that are among us. We're going to see a generation that are assured of God's lavish love. They're living confidently, full of the Holy Spirit, and grateful for parents who chose life. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.